Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. Joining me on the podcast today is Andrew Kinneman, a senior consultant on our reimbursement team here at Bessler, to explain what capital costs on the Medicare cost report are, how to report them, and their effect on cost reporting. Andrew, welcome back to the show. Oh, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here today. Always a pleasure to talk to you. So, Andrew, why don't we start out by um, just sort of defining what capital costs are. So, in general terms, how would you define capital costs for cost report purposes? Well, thanks, Mike. Yeah, I'm going to use the verbiage from the cost report instructions to be clear on what um, the capital-related costs include. So from them, their definition, capital costs are defined as all allowable capital-related costs for land and depreciable assets with additional recognition of costs for capital-related items and services that are legally obligated by an enforceable contract also betterment or improvement costs related to capital that are included in capital assets and capital costs incurred as a result of extraordinary circumstances that can also be included in capital. So that, that is basically worksheet A capital costs uh, for the definition uh, through the cost report instructions. Okay. Uh, well, that, it, you know, it seems maybe a, a little bit vague in nature. Would you be able to expand on this definition for everyone? Yes, uh, I agree. The statement itself does not provide the type of specification that would be, um, in general, be helpful. Uh, so let me provide some more context. For cost reporting purposes, capital-related expense for most hospitals will include depreciation, lease and rentals uh, for the use of the facilities and or equipment possibly interest incurred in acquiring land or depreciation or depreciable assets used for patient care. And you notice I put in there for patient care. So you may buy land, but if it's not for patient care, it may not be considered capital for that case. But um, other costs besides these can also be determined to be capital in nature. So I'm going to spend a brief minute and go over each one of these in a little more detail as terms of uh, identifying the costs. So depreciation expense is really an accounting method of allocating the cost of a tangible asset over its useful life and is used to account for declines in value over time. So most of us in finance know what depreciation is and how to treat it. But just as a clear identification, what we're identifying is depreciation expense that is related for patient care. Let's move on to interest expense. It is incurred. It is a cost incurred by an entity for borrowed funds. It represents interest payable on any borrowings, that be bonds, loans, convertible debt, or lines of credit. And again, it should be noted that interest expense incurred to borrowing working capital or for any other purpose than the acquisition of land or depreciable assets used for patient care is not considered capital-related. That doesn't mean that it's not allowable expense. It just would not be considered capital related. Now, in the case of leases and rental of equipment, the fact that the lease or rental is for a depreciable asset is sufficient for consideration as a capital related item. 
but there must be a distinction be made between the lease of the equipment and the purchases of services. A lease of equipment is considered a capital related cost, while a purchase of service is considered an operating cost. Generally, for the agreement to be considered a lease or rental, and therefore a capital related cost, the agreement must convey to the provider the possession, use, and enjoyment of the asset. Now, those are usually the big three that you'll see in any given facility, but there are also some additional ones that if you can identify that they're for depreciable assets and patient care, these are including but not limited to property taxes, insurance on property, and license and royalty fees on depreciable assets. I will finish by just stressing that it's very important for each hospital to identify their own capital-related costs and properly report these amounts on the cost report. Well, that really uh, clears things up a little bit, I think. So I appreciate that that expanded uh, information there. Um, Andrew, let me ask you this. Once you identify your capital-related costs, what is the best method for reporting these on the cost report? In reality, there is no one correct method to reporting these expenses as capital on the cost report. Um, the most important process is making sure that the expense does get reported as capital-related if expenses meet that criteria. Now, um, you may think to yourself, this is a very general statement, but let me give you a couple examples here to clarify. So I'm looking at Hospital A, and on their general ledger, they report depreciation in an administrative department as part of total expense of that department. So we can identify the depreciation expense by the general ledger accounts assigned to this administrative department. Now, that administrative department is grouped to the administrative and general cost center on worksheet A. In this case, for us to have the capital being assigned, we would have to do an A6 reclassification to move that depreciation from worksheet A administrative and general line where we've directly assigned it based off its department to either capital-related lines one for buildings or line two for equipment, depending on if the expense can be determined to be either building or equipment-related. So in other words, in this case, the, the depreciation expense was really buried inside a administrative account that we had grouped to line five of a worksheet A, and now we had to identify it and move it through the cost report process. Now, let's contrast this to that if the expense is not reported in an administrative department, but instead can be directly identified in a designated depreciation department. So again, let's go with Hospital A on their general ledger reports depreciation in a department that captures only the depreciation as part of the total expense of this department. We can identify the depreciation expense by the general ledger accounts assigned to this depreciation department. That depreciation department is grouped to the capital-related cost centers on Worksheet A. In this case, the capital has been assigned to the Worksheet A capital line. The only issue that we have remaining is, is can that depreciation be split between building and equipment? So there's two distinctions. One is we both found the expense. One, we had to move it from where it was to the capital lines. In the other case, we know where the expense is and we can directly assign it to the capital lines. Each way gets the capital cost to where it is. It just depends on how 
your accounting structure is and where you identify it and how you have to move it. So it should be noted that all capital costs, interest, rent, leases, taxes, insurance will probably require this same analysis. And you need to identify a group with possible requirement of reclassification or adjustments of expense on the cost report. One of the important things about this is, is that, again, reiterating that all these costs could be allowable. It's determining whether they're capital or not. So that's what I wanted to uh, kind of put emphasis on. Okay, gotcha. Um, Andrew, what is the difference of capital costs directly assigned versus step down for the Medicare cost report? Thanks, Mike. Uh, I'm going to go with this with uh, consideration of what I call the concept of direct assign versus step allocation for the capital costs. And I think of the matching principle. This is... Um, that is a priority of matching the expense with the revenues generated. So let's go for another example here. A piece of radiology equipment is leased for the purposes of providing imaging services for the radiology department. The equipment lease expense and the revenue generated from this is captured in the radiology department and it is directly assigned to worksheet A, line 54 of radiology. Therefore, I would consider this reporting this cost on worksheet B part two column zero, which is directly assigned capital on line 54. Now let's contract that with another one. Let's go to another capital cost that most facilities incur and that's building depreciation. In this case, the expense cannot be identified to a single department or area of service as we did in the example above. In this case, we will report the expense in the capital line of worksheet A and step down the building depreciation expense to cost report lines using a statistical basis. In many cases, this statistical basis, sorry, is square feet. Um, And by using this allocation basis, the building depreciation expense is allocated to all areas of the hospital based on square feet. Since the expense cannot be directly assigned to a single group or group of Medicare cost report lines, we are using the square feet to allocate these costs. Got it. Okay. Um, Different type of a question. In another Bessler presentation, we addressed the issue of downstream effects on the cost reporting process. Can you explain what is meant by the downstream effect of capital costs? Mike, yeah, uh, great question. And, and again, we've discussed this in other Bessler presentations and, and have gone pretty uh, long um, discussions of this before. What, what we really talked about here is, is, a cop, is the concept of appropriately accounting for the expenses for other worksheets of the cost report. In other words, we've identified the expense, we've traced through the cost report worksheets, and we have ended up accounting for the expense properly. Uh, You know me, I like examples because that makes it clear. So I'm going to give you another example here. A hospital has a family birth center, and all the expenses for the OB, nursery, and labor and delivery are combined into a single accounting department. But for Medicare purposes, we must separately identify the services. Let's take an example that we have equipment depreciation and equipment rental expense directly assigned to this cost center or to this, these services. In addition, 
We have an A6 reclassification that moves the equipment depreciation from this department to cost report line two, the capital-related equipment. And for the same example, we have reported the equipment rental of worksheet B part two column zero as directly assigned capital to the department cost report line. Well, for the A6 reclassification, regardless of the method we use to choose to allocate the department expense to the different services, in most cases, let's take a family birth center, we may use revenue or the revenue code as an allocation of the percent to total. Well, the equipment depreciation, once we do this, should be netted out of the, dep of the department expenses prior to completing the A6 reclassification because that cost is no longer in that department. So what you're seeing is that we've had that cost in there. We moved it out through a reclassification. Therefore, that cost is no longer there. But any remaining costs that are still within those departments need to be allocated uh, for the purposes of operating costs. Now, we also talked about B part two column zero, and it's important to realize that we need to move that expense, which was part of the A6 reclassification, to the other services based on the same allocation method used for the A6 reclassification. Therefore, these two examples are an illustration of the downstream effect of moving expense that were reported on worksheet A and subsequent movement within the cost report worksheets. Hopefully, what, that, what I'm picturing is that when you're looking at a cost report, we're trying to make sure that where the expense starts and where it ends, that we've moved it appropriately based on the methodologies that we need to have in place to report them. Would this have other downstream effects um, to anything other than expenses? Yeah, thank you for bringing that um, The answer is yes. The downstream impact could impact the B1 statistics we are using to step down the expenses on worksheet B. So in the example we just discussed, we moved the equipment depreciation to line two, capital related. But for Medicare purposes, some of the depreciation in this department should be stepped down to other services for which the equipment is being used. So in this case, we assume the statistic is equipment value or dollar value of equipment by department and by cost report line. This statistic then should also be allocated in the same manner as the expense so that the allocated expense is ultimately stepped down to all these other services based on how we move the expense. So your statistics are following your expenses is what we're trying to do. Thank you for that explanation, Andrew, and for all the great information today. For anyone in our audience that is interested in diving into this topic in a little bit more depth, Andrew has just recently completed a much longer webinar uh, that gets into this. So uh, you can head up to Bessler.com click on the insights button, go to the reimbursement tab, and you can view a recording of that webinar as well as uh, get a look at the slides. So we invite you to do that. Andrew, thank you so much for joining us today on the Hospital Finance Podcast. Thank you, Mike. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.